0: This podcast was recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020. One,
1: two, three, four. Do you ever get tired of being beatles? I play the uh, bass, and I play the drums. But I play a guitar, and I, too, play a guitar. Uh, is he dead? Sit you down, father. Bless you. Hey, my God! Very exciting. Can we just have a little less guitar in the earphones? Oh, that's oh, oh, no way! It's a century. The bit that John finally got just after that, and we both could do what we wanted to do. what we wanted If you think it was cool, keep it. If you don't, scrap it. Yes, not bad that one. Keep
0: that one. Market Fab. Hello there and welcome to The Walrus Was Paul, a series of podcasts hosted by me, Paul Romanuk, during which we will take a stroll along the cast iron shore and peel off the layers of the glass onion with our fantastic musical guests. Although not today. more about that in a moment Uh, our guests are usually along to discuss their favorite Beatles or Beatles solo album some information for you the podcast website is per usual romicast.com that's R-O-M-Y-C-A-S-T dot com you can find out more information about me at that website and you can find each and every episode that we've done so far and also I always remind you of this if you see fit make a donation to support keeping the show commercial-free. I try to make a living as a content creator in a world that does not like to pay for content for the most part. This is a labor of love. I really enjoy doing it. Uh, Any donation that you do make offsets my production costs hosting fees, equipment that I've had to buy, and so on. So that's where your donation goes. Click on the donate button on the website. It's right at the bottom of the page. Uh, And also, if you don't already, please do subscribe to the show via your favorite podcast provider. And if you could, leave a positive review or rating. Uh, retweet it share it on instagram thanks for all the above you can follow the podcast on twitter or instagram at the handle the underscore RomyCast. look for the walrus was paul podcast page on facebook a like and or a follow would be appreciated so here we go this is a special bonus edition of the walrus was paul today i'm going to talk about the beatles and christmas records and i hope you enjoy it
1: to plans here remixed page 444 Christmas time is
0: Now, the first thing to know is that the Beatles never recorded and commercially released a proper Christmas record. However, all four members of the band did record their own solo Christmas records. Before we get to those records, let's go over what the Beatles as a group actually did do in regards to Christmas-themed work. Because they did a lot of stuff. It was just... Released specially, as I will explain. So, starting in 1963, it was decided that members of the British Beatles fan club would receive a flexi disc. Uh, for those of you who are on the younger side of my demographic, uh, that's a cheaply manufactured, thin, flexible plastic, one sided record that could be easily sent through the mail. Very cheap to make, easy to distribute, thus. The method of distribution for this little project that they had. So remember, it's 1963. A simple computer would take up the size of a small office. <laughs> 30 years before any semblance of the internet, 45 years before social media. What a great time that must have been. Uh, what you did to engage with your fans is if they're in your fan club, you'd send them a monthly newsletter through the post, through mail. In this case, an annual Christmas gift might go their way. So in this case, again, the Beatles' Christmas record, especially for fan club members and not available for sale to the general public. The idea was spawned by Tony Barrow, who was the head of public relations for NEMS, that's Beatles manager Brian Epstein's company. For the first couple of years, he scripted a hello message for each of the Beatles to read, a script they would follow, eh, sort of. Hello, this is John
1: speaking with his voice. We're all very happy to be able to talk to you like this on this little bit of plastic. Gary Krimble to you, Gary Mimble to you, Gary Babel, dear Christmas, happy birthday, me too. This is Paul here. Everything that John said goes for me too, especially the bit about birthday cards and apostles. Yeah, Ringo. Hello, Ringo here. As you know, I was the last member to join the Beatles. I started to play drums in the group nineteen sixty two. I've been a couple of other groups. Oh, just wish oh, the people oh, wish the- merry, happy Go oh. for Christmas Christmas.
0: Now, the Beatles did these records starting in 1963 and right up until Christmas of 1969. Typically, uh, the recordings would take place in October, November around other recording sessions. It was something they could rattle off relatively informally and just have some fun. And you can certainly hear that spirit on most of the records, especially the early ones. They were having fun. Remember, these guys grew up loving uh, the goons and George Martin worked with that comedy troupe. He worked with Peter Sellers. He worked with Spike Milligan. All of these guys were comedic heroes of the Beatles. And you can definitely hear that influence. And I think George Martin probably had a lot of fun as well. Because remember, George Martin did a lot of those types of sort of fun novelty records, if you will, before he became Mr. Beatles' producer. So the spirit of the whole thing, and you can hear it on the records, was just to have a laugh and do something for the fans.
1: All my trouble seems so far away Now it looks as though we're here to stay I believe in yesterday don't forget, Christmas is coming. Oh, that reminds me. Let's do a Christmas record. Let's do a Christmas record. Yeah, what should we say? That's um, a good idea. Add we've got to thank everyone. Remember to thank. Yeah, thank You can't add a little too much because, oh, you know, you miss. Well, thank you, 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 we well, you Johnny. It's been nice to know you. Got to thank everyone for all the presents this year. Yes. And, uh, all for buying the records. Yeah, especially the chewed up pieces of chewing gum and the <laughs> playing cards made out of knickers. <laughs> made it there, <dirty>, Charlie. Ah, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> ah. Okay, put the red lights off. And this is Johnny Rhythm just saying goodnight to you all and God bless you. <laughs> all right, well, uh, that's got it done then. Uh, what are we going to do now? Has he turned it off? I think he has. Have you has turned he... it off, lad? He's hey, Bashir. And they're still the same. Turned it off, Bashir.
0: November the eighth, 1965, and the Beatles are late in sessions for their upcoming release, Rubber Soul. On this day, sessions ran from 9 p.m. until 3 a.m. the next morning, and they spent most of that time working on George Harrison's Think For Yourself. After they finished working on the track, they then got around to recording material for the Beatles' third Christmas record. This one was largely ad-libbed, and it was edited the following day by George Martin. In 1966, in terms of time dedicated to... The Beatles really stepped it up. It was November 25th, 1966, and they'd been working on strawberry fields forever. Essentially, that was the start of the Sgt. Pepper sessions, as you would know if you'd listened to the Sgt. Pepper episode uh, of The Walrus Was Paul. You can find it in our archive section. (laughs) The previous day, they'd been working on strawberry fields forever. But then on this day, November 25th, 1966, they make their way to... Not Abbey Road Studios, but this little demo studio that was owned by their music publisher, Dick James, at 7175 New Oxford Street in London. Each member of the Beatles sang on that recording with Paul McCartney also playing a piano that happened to be sitting around the studio. And a number of songs and skits were recorded, which were edited into a 10-part, six-minute piece uh, on the 2nd of December. The songs included Everywhere It's Christmas, Oral wania Please Don't Bring Your Banjo Back, and the sketches included Podgy the Bear and Jasper, and Falcon Mansions. Ringo Starr says, We worked it out between us. Paul did most of the work on it. He thought up the pantomime title and the two song things. And McCartney also designed the colorful sleeve that had the words Pantomime, everywhere it's Christmas written on that sleeve.
1: Everywhere. Everywhere it's London, oh. and New York. Tokyo, Oh, everywhere it's Christmas, and I'm off to join the choir. Everywhere, every oh, everywhere, everywhere is Christmas at the end of every year. Oh, everywhere is Christmas at the yes. end of every year. I everywhere, everywhere is Christmas, Christmas. At, at the end of every year. Of every year. Our story opens in Corsica. On the veranda is a bearded man in glasses conducting a small choir. Meanwhile, high in the Swiss Alps, two
0: elderly scots will munch on a rare cheese. Wonderful stuff, this Agnes. Ah,
1: it's wonderful stuff.
0: So we move on to the next year, and it's 1967, the year of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And this was to be the last year, unfortunately, that all of the Beatles would actually get together in the studio to record a Christmas record. And it was like everything else they did in 1967. It was big. Considering this was a Christmas record, it was a bit of a boundary pusher for the group. It... Became the closest thing we have to an actual Beatles Christmas song.
1: It's a Bland Series page 444. Christmas time is here.
0: Christmas Time is Here Again, credited to Lennon, McCartney, Harrison, and Starkey. Uh, it's a Christmas song that they recorded for that 1967 fan club Christmas record. Uh, after being slated for inclusion in the planned but ultimately scrapped Sessions compilation album in 1985, the song finally saw official release, if you will, in 1995 on the Free as a Bird single. That was issued in conjunction with the anthology series. Remember, that was the new song that they put together. There was an EP, uh, either on vinyl or on a CD. I have a copy on CD. And you have the first sort of official commercial release of Christmas Time is here again. The cover has a kind of Sgt. Pepper feel to it, it's a collage of Victorian, Dickensian black and white and sepia tone photos. So the next two Beatles Christmas records, 1968 and 1969, were both, eh, how do I put it? They were kind of (laughs) half-arsed compared to the previous five. Uh, They'd run out of steam. Each of the individual Beatles parts were recorded separately, and then they were assembled by a buddy of theirs, the British DJ at the time, Kenny Everett.
1: This is a big high and a sincere Merry Christmas from yours truly, Ringo Starr. Happy New Year, Happy Christmas, Happy Easter Happy Autumn, Happy Micklemas, everybody Happy Christmas, everybody to you they were strictly in love bound to happen in a million years. They were together, man. Unfortunate timetable, they seemed to have previous experience, which kept calling them one way or another. You know how it is. Oh!
0: In 1968, it was a collage of odd noises, musical snippets, and individual messages. McCartney's song, Happy Christmas, Happy New Year, is featured along with Lennon's poems, Jock and Yono, and Once Upon a Pool Table. Also notable is a rendition of Nowhere Man by Tiny Tim. Google him. He was a character. Uh, He plays it on a ukulele. Uh, George Harrison had recorded that in New York and he wanted that included. Also included is a sped-up snippet of the Beatles' own Helter Skelter and a brief snippet of Perry and Kingsley's Baroque Hoedown, which was used three years later in Disneyland's Main Street Electrical Parade. Oblada, your blues birthday also heard in the background for part of the message. That was 1968. Then in 1969, same thing. Each of the Beatles' parts were recorded separately. It features an extensive visit with Lennon and his wife Yoko at their Tittenhurst Park estate, where they play What Will Santa Bring Me games. Harrison and Ringo appear briefly, Ringo mostly to publicize his recent film, The Magic Christian. Uh, McCartney sings a little original ad lib This is to wish you a Merry, Merry Christmas. And at the tail end of Ringo's song, uh, the guitar solos from the end are heard, followed by Ono interviewing Lennon. The cover features a collage by Ringo on the front and some Stickman cartoon drawings on the back that his son, Zach, did for the cover. So, as mentioned, none of those recordings were released commercially at the time. Christmas Time is Here Again was edited and released on the Free as a Bird EP in 1995. As I mentioned, there was a compilation album of all of the Christmas fan club records that was pressed and distributed to fan club members in December of 1970. That was in the UK, came to American fan club members in the spring of 1971. Then, in 2017, and this is hard to find now, a lovely little limited edition colored vinyl box set of each of the Christmas records was released. I was lucky enough to get my hands on one and it's good fun. All of the artwork is reproduced. Uh, It's not Flexi Disc. They're an actual vinyl disc, but they're all a different color each of the years. There's a little booklet included, and all comes in a nice red box with a picture of the Beatles on the cover with Santa hat superimposed on top. It is no longer commercially available. You might be able to find it on eBay or buy it from a collector. But it's good fun. if You can uh, can take a look at the contents on eBay if you can ever get your hands on one. If you're a, a Beatles fanatic, it's nice to have, and it's fun listening to the records every Christmas, which I am doing this year. So that wraps up the Beatles' Christmas records. Let's dig into the actual commercially released world of Christmas songs. Each of the Beatles released a Christmas song, and in one case, an entire Christmas album. So let's take it chronologically. The first Beatle to release a Christmas song was John Lennon in 1971, and it is, for me, the one that will endure the longest. As a matter of fact, it may well, in another 50 years or so, be the song that John Lennon is most remembered for. Now, I say that because it will probably morph into a traditional Christmas season standard that is played year after year. Think of White Christmas or Silent Night. Although initially its sentiments were aimed at the Vietnam War that America was involved in at the time, its theme is pretty evergreen. No wars, stop the hate, a children's choir. It's a beautiful song. Happy Christmas, Gilgo.
1: Happy Christmas, Judy. So this is Christmas. And what have you done? Another year over. And so this is Christmas
0: Xmas Yoko and I wrote together it says war is over if you want it it was still that same message the idea that we're just as responsible as the man who pushes the button as long as people imagine that somebody's doing it to them and that they have no control then they have no control John Lennon said that in 1980 in an interview that he did with David Sheff. He recorded a home demo of Happy Xmas, War Is Over, in early October 1971. Few of the words were in place, but the melody and structure was mostly complete. Uh, Lennon evidently had trouble singing the high notes in the middle section. Uh, Yoko sings them in the final version. Some would say she had trouble singing them as well. (laughs) Both Lennon and Phil Spector claimed the song's melody was based on the Paris Sisters' 1961 hit "I Love How You Love Me," which Spector produced. However, the verses are much more closely related to Peter, Paul, and Mary's version of it's an old American folk song called "Stewball." Uh, you can find it on YouTube. Listen to "Stewball," and it is the melody is it's. Happy Xmas War is over. The basic track for the song was recorded at the record plant East in New York City on the 28th of October 1971. The balance engineer was studio owner Roy Sicala, and Phil Spector was the producer. Spector, of course, had previously recorded uh, the classic 1963 holiday season album, A Christmas Gift for You. Tracks off of that album still played to this day. Lennon had wanted Klaus Vormann to play bass on the recording, but his flight from Germany to New York was held up, and eventually the bass part was recorded by one of the four extra guitarists uh, who had been recruited in for the session. The backing track was the first part of the song to be recorded, after which a number of guitar and vocal overdubs were added, and these include that whispered introduction that you hear on the on the final product, the Happy Christmas, Julian. Uh, he says happy christmas julian and yoko says happy christmas kyoko her daughter a rough mix was made and they wrapped up that first session in the wee hours of the next morning and then on october the 29th they recorded the singles b-side a song called listen the snow is falling a yoko composition And has exactly the same set of musicians as Happy Xmas, War Is Over. Those musicians are Hugh McCracken on acoustic guitar. Uh, Hugh would also play with Paul McCartney on the Ram album. Chris Osborne plays acoustic guitar. Teddy Irwin plays acoustic guitar. Stuart Scharf plays acoustic guitar. So there's that big Spectre wall of sound with all of those acoustics. Nicky Hopkins, brilliant session piano player who played the electric piano on Revolution for the Beatles. He plays on this track, uh, plays the piano, chimes, and the glockenspiel. And Jim Keltner, one of the great session drummers of all time, plays the drums and also the sleigh bells. But, of course, the most notable part of the track is the children's choir in the background. That is the Harlem Community Choir. And John's uh, acquaintance at the time, May Pang, also sings backing vocals on this song. It was on October the 31st that the Harlem Community Choir It featured about 30 kids. They were brought in to add the vocals to the song. Uh, The original sleeve has a picture of John and Yoko and some of the musicians with all these kids. It's It's a cute shot. When it was released, it was not a success. It was released in the United States December 1st, 1971. And isn't that hard to imagine because it is a Christmas staple now. The main reason is... It didn't get a great deal of promotion because it was recorded so late in the year. And in fact, it did not chart the year it was released in 1971. In the United Kingdom, it wasn't even released in 1971. There was a dispute over Yoko Ono's contribution to the songwriting credit. And there was some litigation and pushing and pulling there. Long story short, that meant the release of the song in the UK was delayed until Christmas 1972. Now, it did much better there than it did in the United States. It was issued and it peaked at number four on the singles chart. This year, 2020, as we speak, Christmas week, it is number 30 in the UK singles chart. It shows up pretty much every year in the top 100 UK singles at this time of the year. The song was reissued in the UK following Lennon's death in 1980 and it reached number two. It also charted the following two years and occasionally in subsequent years. It does show up. It has never been a number one single in the UK, the US, or Canada. Uh, On the 1980 chart... The Christmas number one, that was the year that John Lennon was murdered, and you thought maybe that would push the song to number one. It was number four. It was behind Stop the Calvary uh, by Jonah Louie, Just Like Starting Over by, of course, John Lennon. And number one was There's No One Quite Like Grandma by the St. Winifred's School Choir. As per chartmasters.org, as of 2017, the song has just over 2 million physical sales. It has another 1.85 million digital sales, and it has streamed 84 million times on Spotify, 57 million times on YouTube. The second Beatle to release a Christmas song was George Harrison, and it was in 1974, and I'll bet some of you... Maybe even many of you have never heard it. The song is called Ding Dong Ding Dong.
1: I want to.
0: in just three minutes and it signified his wish for a fresh start. The lyrics were largely taken from engravings carved into the woodwork at his Friar Park mansion. That's where the song was recorded at his home studio there. So the story behind the song is this. Uh, He is said to have been playing his guitar and he noticed the words ring out the old, ring in the new to the left of the fireplace. Then over on the right were the words Ring out the false, ring in the true. He later revealed that he had lived with the words for some time, but it had never occurred to him that they could be song lyrics. Here's a quote from George. Ding dong, ding dong was the quickest one I ever wrote. It took me three minutes, except it took me four years of looking at the thing, which was written on my wall at home. Ring out the old, ring in the new, ring out the false, ring in the true, before I realized it was a hit song. It makes me laugh because it's so simple. The song evaded me for four years. The personnel on the song you have George, vocals and guitar, Mick Jones, and Alvin Lee both play guitar, Klaus Voorman, old standby, shows up to play the bass, Gary Wright plays the piano. Tom Scott is on saxophone, and then the double drums with Ringo Starr and Jim Keltner. The backing track was completed at the end of November 1973, featuring the acoustic guitar, piano, bass guitar, and drums. Uh, Harris Harrison, in his mind, saw it as a big Phil Spector wall of sound type of thing, and he was clearly influenced by by a couple of big 1973 Christmas hits in the UK. Slade's Merry Christmas Everyone, which still gets trotted out every Christmas season, and Wizards' I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day. Both very glam rock, double drum kit, saxophone, that type of sound. That's what he was looking for. He had high hopes for the song, in fact. He did a demo and he sent it off to U.S. record executive David Geffen with a note attached. And the note said this. It's one of them repetitious numbers, which is going to have 20 million people with the Phil Spector nymphomaniacs all doing the backing vocals by the end of the day. And it's going to be wonderful. But I'd appreciate it if you don't let anybody steal it, because I want the hit myself. That was in the note that he sent to David Geffen uh, in 1973. Ding Dong Ding Dong was issued as a single in the UK on December 6, 1974. Uh, too late. Too late to make an impact on the Christmas market. It peaked at number 38 and spent five weeks in the charts. It has disappeared since then. It does not show up in the charts. Gets no play at all. And that's why I mentioned earlier, you may not have even heard this song or heard of it. It was released in the U.S. on the 23rd of December, 1974. Uh, along with uh, Harry's On Tour, a Dark Horse album track as its B-side, fared only slightly better, reached number 36, but it did become sort of a popular New Year song. A video was made for it, which you can find on YouTube. Uh, Harrison sort of does the retro thing maybe a bit of foreshadowing of what he did years later for the when we was fab video he wears his old sergeant pepper uniform he wears the old pierre Cardin collarless suit jacket uh wears his old leather jacket that he probably wore in the hamburg days it's a fun video if you want to look it up for a fun song that maybe deserved a better fate It took Paul McCartney until 1979 to enter the Christmas season song market. Wonderful Christmas Time is a 1979 Christmas song, and it enjoys still significant popularity right around the world.
1: The moon is right, the spirits up. We're here tonight, and that's enough see we having a wonderful Christmas time. See.
0: McCartney wrote this song, he says, on the hottest day in July during the summer of 1979. And it was recorded during sessions for what was going to be on and become the McCartney 2 album. McCartney plays everything on the song. Electric guitar, drums, synth, mellotron, all the vocals. It's all Paul. It was recorded in his home studios in Peamarsh and Campbellton, Scotland. Although members of Wings are not on the recording, they do appear in the promotional music video, which was filmed at the Fountain Inn Pub in Ashurst, West Sussex. The sleeve for the record has McCartney in a Santa hat. It's an homage to, you've probably seen a photo of Bing Cosby, the White Christmas album cover. Bing with a Santa hat on, same kind of layout, same kind of feel to it. Following its release as a standalone single in the UK, Wonderful Christmas Time" peaked at number six on the UK singles chart uh, the week ending 5th of January 1980. In the US, the single peaked at number 83 on the Cashbox Top 100 singles chart, 94 on the Record World singles chart, did not chart in the Billboard Hot 100, which is usually the chart of record in the U.S. The song, as I mentioned, continues to receive substantial airplay every year. As of the recording of this podcast, Christmas Week 2020, it is number 34 on the U.K. singles chart. As per chartmasters.org, as of 2017, there have been 610,000 physical sales of the single, uh, 960,000 digital sales. The song has been streamed 79 million times on Spotify, including royalties from cover versions estimated that McCartney makes 400 grand a year from this song, which puts its cumulative earnings at near 15 million (laughs) dollars from the one song. Not bad for a day's work. The last Beatle to release a Christmas song actually released a complete Christmas album. In 1999, Ringo Starr released I Wanna Be Santa Claus.
1: I wanna be Santa Claus I wanna get all the toys Just like Santa Claus I'd give them away to all the girls and boys.
0: Then if I could... Now, the, be the genesis of this album was July 1998, when Ringo and, at the time, a longtime collaborator, Mark Hudson, yes, that's the Hudson Brothers guy, uh, was a popular variety show, that's the guy, uh, they composed the songs, a couple of them, when they were working at Ringo's home in Surrey in the U.K., so that is in July of 1998. Then we shuffle ahead to March the 8th of 1999. And we're in LA now, no longer in the British countryside, and we're working at what in the what the studios. 8th of March 1999 and the tracks Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Little Drummer Boy and some more work on one of the early tracks they recorded Dear Santa they were all done on that day Ringo then did kind of cool and I'll let you listen to a little bit of it he did a remake of Christmas Time is Here Again which was originally recorded by the Beatles for that 1967 Christmas record for fans Christmas Time is Here
1: You know when Christmas time is here again Christmas time is here again
0: I want to be Santa Claus which is composed of half and half traditional songs and new originals was made in several studios in the U S and the UK families joined in a couple of celebrity guests, Joe Perry, ex of Aerosmith and Timothy B Schmidt from the Eagles. They're on there. Jeff Lynn also sings backing vocals. And of course, Jeff Lynn's got to make an appearance. (laughs) The fifth Beatle, Jeff Lynn. Uh, Not quite. He sings backing vocals on come on Christmas, Christmas. Come on. I want to be Santa Claus and also on Christmas time is here again. Final sessions for the album were held on 8th and 9th of September in LA with mixing taking place at A&M studios again in LA and at Sterling sound in New York city. It was released on October the 19th, 1999 in the U S by Mercury Uh, came out of the Mercury label ahead of the Christmas season. Got really good reviews, I'm going to read you one in a second, and was just a miserable commercial failure, mainly because Mercury did just a horrible job of promoting it. I'm a big Beatles fan, I didn't even know it was out. Here's a quote, a review from the All Music Guide, William Ruhlman from the All Music Guide. Hudson is everywhere on I Want to Be Santa Claus, co-writing the half-dozen originals with Star and others, co-producing with Star and handling a variety of instruments. He and keyboard player arranger Jim Cox clearly are steeped in the Beatles, and they have effectively recreated a Beatles sound on the record, in some cases aping specific songs. The Roundheads, that's the band, are also in good form at showcasing Starr's drumming, which is always high in the mix. On the standards, Starr is his usual good-natured self, and the standout track is the cover of Christmas Time is Here Again. So, Ringo Starr is well-served by his supporting musicians on I Want to Be Santa Claus, and is typically cheer manner is so well suited to the holiday spirit that it's only a shame that he waited so long to make his seasonal recording nice positive review the album stiffed it was re-released on the 23rd of september 2003 on the 20th century masters label the best of ringo and the christmas collection and it stiffed again and star left mercury after they had managed to do no promotion for the release of the album, which resulted in little sales. So being the Christmas number one record single in the UK is a big deal. You go to the top of the singles chart, Christmas week, that's a prestigious thing. None of the Beatles as solo artists ever managed to do that. But the Beatles... Hold the record for the most ever Christmas number ones on the UK singles chart with four. 1963, I want to hold your hand. 1964, I feel fine. 1965, Day Tripper, we can work it out. That was a double A side. And 1967, hello, goodbye. Maybe next year we'll take a look at Beatles Christmas number ones. But for now, thank you for listening to The Walrus Who's Paul and this special Christmas bonus episode. I want to wish you and yours a Merry Christmas. If you don't celebrate Christmas, I wish you all the best over the holiday season. Thanks for listening. You take care.
1: It's all. We're here tonight And that's enough